This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get back to the Knicks in just a second here and your phone calls. But over in Brooklyn tonight, you got the Nets taking on the Phoenix Suns. That's the uh, ABC vehicle. So you got an 830 start. You know, they, they like to drag this thing out. But among other things, it's Kevin Durant's return back to the Barclays Center. Place he used to call home. And it's funny because when you think back to Kevin Durant's legacy as a member of the Brooklyn Nets, what should it be? Right? It, it does have a little bit of that, like, we, we know it, it, it was a thing, but, but was it? Because it was so fleeting. It was one of those, like, shooting star type quick, you know, Haley's Comet type things. Just a brief fleeting moment in time, and it happened. Two and a half years, really. You know, technically it was longer, but remember that whole first year he didn't play because he was rehabbing the Achilles injury that he got as a member of Golden State there in the in the finals. So they paid him a bunch of money to just sit there and rehab for a year, knowing full well that he wouldn't play. So two and a half years as a player, three different head coaches, 35 games he played that first year, 55 games the next year, and then last year he played 39 games before he wanted out and he asked for a trade and he got sent to the desert with the Phoenix Suns. Three postseason series, beat the Celtics in the first round the one year, then they lost to the eventual champion Bucks in round number two. Remember he hit the big three-pointer where his toe was on the line, or a two-pointer actually, it wasn't a three because his, his foot was an inch longer than it needed to be. Or else maybe we'd be singing a different story here. And then they got bounced in seven. And then the next year they came back and they got swept by the Boston Celtics. I don't think, and this is somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight. But me personally, I don't think necessarily that Kevin Durant was here long enough for the fans to necessarily build an attachment to the player. It's not like you won anything. You know, when he played, he had his moments, but... Herein lies the problem. He didn't all make himself play that much, right? Ability, availability. You know how we always throw those terms out there? Well, I think that that has to factor into whatever type of argument or discussion you're having to try to define and map out what Kevin Durant's legacy was. This is not a situation. Don't confuse this for a second. This is completely different than what potentially could be taking place next week when Kyrie Irving and the Dallas Mavericks roll into town. Kyrie's legacy and how he's remembered as a member of the Nets is going to be completely different than Kevin Durant. Because Kyrie Irving did everything short of trying to set a match to the building and to the franchise while he was here. He did it metaphorically, but it certainly didn't help matters much. And he didn't build himself a lot of good grace finally getting his wish and getting the hell out the door. But it's ironic, too, because remember, Phoenix got off to a rough start this year. You know, as they were trying to incorporate all their new pieces. And Bradley Beal, it took him a while to get out on the floor finally so he could team up with Devin Booker and with KD. So tonight, those three guys, they're going to play their 17th game together. Right? And they've only been together as a group for, what, four months since the beginning of the season. Their 17th game together. The whole big three that was supposed to, you know, set the NBA on its heels with Harden, With KD and Kyrie, they played 16 games as a group. 16. So the Phoenix group has already topped that. 
You know what the funniest thing about this whole game? T- do you realize that Ben Simmons is questionable now for the game tonight with knee soreness? And he's out. He's out. He's out. Is there anybody in the world that has a better job than Ben Simmons? Seriously. In the world. In the world. Imagine getting paid that type of money. Playing next to never. And people just making excuses for you, essentially. This is shame. I'd much rather have Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. I wasn't planning on saying Scotty Barnes, but I just said it because I knew that on the board that was like the next sound thing. So I just wanted to hear it. It's a complete crap. (laughs) It's funny. But Ben Simmons, I, I mean, see, now this gets me off distracted. Ben Simmons getting paid like $38 million this year. He's played seven games. $35 million last year where he barely played. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Well, that's another story for another time. And, you know, that that, that leads to a bigger problem as far as this game is right now. But legacy for Kevin Durant. He'll get the video tribute, I'm sure, because he's KD. You know, he'll get all that stuff. But, you know, if you're a Net fan, and not even a Net fan, you know, if you're a basketball fan, like, how do you look back on his time with the Brooklyn Nets? I think the biggest mistake that Kevin Durant made during that whole process was his blinding loyalty and allegiance to Kyrie Irving. That was his greatest fault. He followed that guy to Brooklyn. Almost like, you know, how Charles Barkley and all said he's not a bus, you know, he's not the guy driving the bus. That's what it seems like. Right? If you're going to let Kyrie Irving be the guy calling the shots and you're going to go where he wants to go, dude, you're supposed to be one of the greats. You know, you should make you should have people come following you, not the other way around. And I think that that's what got them into trouble a little bit. And furthermore, if you're not going to play and you're always going to be hurt and you're not going to deliver on what your promise was supposed to be, well, then you know what? It takes a hit a little bit. It does. But it's just such a scatterbrained two, three-year period with that franchise to where now that the dust is settled, I don't even know if the people in Brooklyn can make any sense over it. You know, the people that are in that building, in the front office, like looking back on that run, like what are they supposed to take out of it? What happened? The people that still have jobs there probably are lucky that they still have jobs. Steve Nash wasn't as fortunate. Kenny Atkinson wasn't as fortunate. They got booted the hell out of there because for whatever reason, the stars felt like, you know, we don't want to play for these guys anymore. Sean Marks does still have a job, though. And like I said before, whatever whatever the next move is that the Nets decide to make, whether it's a trade, whether it's, you know, bringing in a new coach, which who the hell knows what they're thinking as far as that's concerned. You know, should Sean Marks really be the one to make these decisions? How many kicks at the can does Sean Marks get to make all these years? Whether it comes to coaches, personnel, you name it. It's almost like he's Teflon. Where everything else could be, everybody else could be brought down in that organization except him. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Joe, you're a Nets guy. 
Do you have any sort of nostalgia when thinking about Kevin Durant's time with the team? Only for that shot, really. And, I mean, it was a two-pointer. It wasn't a three. We were that close. It kind of feels like the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, Nick Claxton, you were there. Spencer Dinwiddie, you were there. But it doesn't. It seems like a fever dream. It seems like it didn't happen. And this reset to probably being worse than before in 18 when they got there, it brings a lot of question marks to Sean Marks and to Jacques Vaughn on whether or not they are the right people to actually get this done. Well, let's face it. I mean, why do I got to talk to you? (laughs) Jacques Vaughn, you know, at this point, he's somebody right now who's kind of one of these bridge. He's a bridge coach. That's what Jacques Vaughn is. Because this team, like like we said, this isn't this isn't new, right? Like we kind of expected this from the Nets this year. I mean, the way that they're playing, this is kind of you know par for the course. Their ceiling was no better than the playing tournament, probably, which they could still realistically get to. They're, they're you know they're hovering around there. But Jock Vaughn is the type of coach that once the Nets turn a corner. And once they maybe beef up this talent base a little bit more, I'm not saying that they have the the star power that they had when they had those other guys here and it was championship or bust, but when they are ready to contend again, I don't know if Jock Vaughn is going to be the guy coaching this team. And that's what I mean by saying that he's a bridge coach. He's somebody who's kind of just like minding the store until the owner gets back, right? And then he could go back and, and, and do whatever it is he else he does. Because the problem is, is that when you go out there and you bring in the superstar players, like ultimately, they're also going to have a say in such things. And if you're going to bring in somebody from outside the organization, like a pl- which obviously is what's going to happen, you're going to bring in a star player who isn't part of this team, and he has no loyalty or allegiance to somebody like Jock Vaughn. He's probably going to put in his two cents as to, I like this guy, I want that guy, that's a coach that I, I feel comfortable playing for. No different than guys like Kevin Durant did when they came into town. Although Kevin Durant wasn't necessarily probably 100% truthful with his stuff. Because remember, when he came aboard, he sat there and he spoke glowingly of Kenny Atkinson. Even though he wasn't going to play for him the entire first season. But he sat there and he talked about uh, Kenny Atkinson like he was Red Auerbach. Oh my God, I'm watching all these you know Kenny Atkinson sets on, on YouTube and I'm just I'm blown away with some of these sets that he's running offensively. And I, I just couldn't wait to inject myself into that type of system. It's so player-friendly. Well, when the time came for the Nets to make a coaching change, you know that Sean Marks, Joe Sy, and the ownership, they knocked on KD's door and said, Hey, KD, I know that you're not playing, buddy, but you know we're thinking of changing coaches. Do you have any problem with us throwing Kenny Atkinson overboard? He probably said, Kenny who? And that's the way the game works. Don't think for a second that it doesn't. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. It is the final week of Superbox Bonanza 5 and your last chance to get your box for the big game. All qualifiers are going to get a $25 Fanatics gift card and a chance at one of 10 Superbox prizes. Listen mornings to Rick and Dave, afternoons to Barton Hahn and the Michael K Show. This year's big game payouts are 500 bucks in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and a final score payout of two thousand dollars all brought to you by telemore do irish whiskey and brand new telemore do honey and security dodge come get some for full contest details go to superboxbonanza.com dan grass show talking a little hoops at 800-919-3776 let's say hi to manny and flushing who is up next here on 98.7 hello manny how are you I'm doing well, sir. How you doing? Manny, I'm doing great. What's going on tonight? Good to hear. Good to hear. Listen, I'm going to watch that game on ABC with the Nets and, and Suns. I would just say this in the perspective. I think you could say KD's legacy in Brooklyn was an absolutely failure. I mean, in three years, the Nets weren't a contender. They were like pretenders, but not really a real contender. And, you know, during those three years, you got the Heat, the Celtics, and the Bucks were in the NBA Finals. Well, the Nets never got to the conference finals, and and you you know at some point you look at yourself you look you say to yourself it's like it was more distraction than winning. I don't disagree. Now, fa- now failure is a strong word, though, Manny. Now, did the Nets yeah. achieve everything that they set out to do when they put this group together, and then double down even more to get Harden in here? No, they did not. Not even close. They won one playoff series, one. But yeah. I think when you factor in. All the off-the-court drama. And let's not forget about something. See, here's the thing with KD. He was the one that ultimately asked out of here. Okay? So he gave in to all the drama as well and said, I don't want to deal with it anymore. And took the easy way out and said, get me to Phoenix. Like, here, when the trade happened, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Because here's the thing about Durant. Why is it that Kevin Durant, who, yes, Kim, he'll probably tell you he thinks he's an all-time great. And you know what? His performance over the course of his career would probably lend credence to that. But how come when it comes to KD, like last year, when he submitted and told the Nets the teams that he wanted to get traded to, why was it teams that were like close to winning a championship? Like if you're really that good and you're supposed to be an all-time great, how about going to a team that maybe you could put on their shoulders and maybe do a little bit more for your stock if you ever won with them? How about that? Yeah, I mean, that's you know that explains everything. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you always look at the what ifs. I mean, I, I mean, I will say this. Ever since he left Steph Curry, he has not been the same. And, and, and the, you know what the problem with that, though, Manny, is? And, and I thank him for the phone call. He didn't need to go there. Like, I know this is like going way back in the time machine here. He did not have to go to Golden State. And that was bad when he did. Because remember, his Oklahoma City team, with him and Russell Westbrook, they choked away a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals against that Golden State team. You had Draymond Green kick one of his teammates, Steven Adams, in the you-know-what in that series. 
And then five minutes after the series is over, when Oklahoma City with Durant chokes away the last three games, he couldn't wait to go run and sign with with the Golden State Warriors after meeting with them in the Hamptons on 4th of July that summer. Now, granted, he won a couple of championships, finals, MVPs, but you know what he was supposed to? They were a superpower. How could anybody else expect to win? You know, it was like Golden State, Cleveland going to play in the finals. Okay, great, but did Cleveland really have any chance? And that was with LeBron James. The answer was, of course not. And remember, Durant asked for not one, two trades out of Brooklyn. Backtracked off the first one. Second one, though, won it out. And again, after Kyrie got the hell out of there, right? This goes back to what I just said a couple of minutes ago. If you really are an all-time great, and you are supposed to be one of the best to ever do it, why not stick it out in Brooklyn, right? You eliminated the one distraction. Kyrie was finally out of there. So you didn't have to deal with his drama or movie recommendations or any other garbage he was going to throw out there. Why don't you take that team and say, you know what? We could still make the playoffs. You got me. That's all you need. Why not tough it out? After that team, by the way, paid you how many millions of dollars? Tens of millions of dollars the first year you signed up in Brooklyn when you couldn't play a single game because you were rehabbing an injury. You had no problem taking their $40 million or whatever it was, but then the first chance that Rome is on fire, you want to get the hell out of there. Anthony and West Milford up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony, how are you? Good. How are you, Dan? What's up, Anthony? Nothing. Uh, I was really just, uh, you know, I'm kind of superstitious, so I'm really hearing from afar, but I, I want to get out there. Like, I just love what the Knicks are doing this year, and I know it's just good to see because after coming off a dismal football season, both the both New York teams, uh, and then the Mets, I – I have no faith in their season coming up. Really? So just, no faith whatsoever I, in the Mets? I really don't. I see they're, they they missed out on whatever they, they could have had. Obviously, the, the money wasn't the issue. It's, I'm pretty sure it's the atmosphere. Uh, they have to change that club around. Uh, they're not going to re-sign Pete after his extension. I'm pretty sure he's going to go somewhere in Florida, back home. But I'm, just, I just, I'm just happy the Knicks are doing – what they're doing. I mean, they're all workhorses, too, and we got to see it. We got to see if Randall goes out, who's going to step up? You got to see OG is going to go out. Who's going to step up? Precious did amazing yesterday. And then you had DiVincenzo almost hit the franchise record with threes. It's just been really good to see. And I really don't have any points. I just really want to say that. Yeah, I mean, look, Anthony, you know, look, you're a fan. You're a fan. You should be excited about this team. You should be. They're the best thing going in this city right now. It's not even close. You know that arbitrary question we kind of throw out there from time to time about which team in the city is the closest to a championship? Do the Knicks deserve to be put up a little bit higher on that list? Like, or at least be given a little bit more legitimate thought that they could indeed win a title? I mean, if you're talking about a team already that's finishing, you know, top two, three in the conference, like, how far away are they? In this NBA? Really, like, when you look around the league right now in this sport, like, what what team is unbeatable? Like, I just got done talking about those years when, when Kevin Durant was with Golden State, right? And, and the Warriors were a machine. You weren't touching them. And if you were in the Eastern Conference, you know what? You had LeBron there, and the Cavaliers were going to be 
that team's or that conference's representative in the finals. Like, what do you have right now? Boston's the best team in the East. I'm not going to lie to you, but I certainly think that they're beatable over the course of a seven-game series. I mean, look what happened last year. They didn't even get to the finals. And good point by Joe, too. Joe reminds me that, remember, Durant also signed another extension before that trade request. This is, I mean, mean, look, this is life in the NBA right now. It's the way things are. Guys don't want to stick around in one place. Guys are quick to jump ship. Guys don't want to play. Guys are not going to play through injury. I mean, this is, that's what it is. And Adam Silver thought that, well, you know what? Here's how we can fix it. We're going to put stipulations into all these different individual postseason honors that you have to play at least 65 games or whatever it is. That's going to do away with the load management and all these guys taking off nights for prolonged periods. Well, that's not really working now, is it? Is it? Like, they flashed a graphic up on the screen before. I actually took a picture of it because I was floored by it. I'm going to run down the list of these names. Nikola Jokic, Paul George, Ben Simmons, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Luka Dantich, Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine. All those guys aren't playing tonight. Now, how many of them are actually, like, legitimate injuries? Like, if this was, you know, Game 7 of the NBA Finals, that they can't walk and they can't go out there and play? No, not all of them. But that's just the way, that's accepted nowadays in this sport. And what happened over the weekend on Saturday night, that was disgraceful. Where you got Joel Embiid out there not wanting to play in a national televised game, ducking a matchup with Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets. On ABC. Now you can say, I know, look, I know that he's banged up and he missed up, but I mean, come on, don't you think it's a little much? Don't you think it's too much of a coincidence? I mean, I've heard from people, you know, friends of mine, living all over the country, and we've spoken about this before, where, you know, they shell out big bucks to come see these teams, especially ones from other conferences, who only make, let's say, one trip into that city. The entire year. And they have, you know, whatever superstar player is on that team. And that, you know, kids want to see them play. And that's the only chance they're going to get to see them play. They spend all the money on the ticket. And then they show up to the arena and find out that that guy's not playing. For whatever reason. Probably not something legitimate when, when you know, talking about an injury. It's a big turnoff. It really and truly is. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Harvey, the all-star NHL stuff do anything for you? Does, does nothing for me. Does nothing. Yeah, I mean, nothing. yeah, kind of. You know what I, I, I look at it as it's a nice, like, it's a break to kind of, like, hit the reset button on your sports brain for the weekend. Right? No football. No hockey. You know, you can watch your NBA if you want to. You know, I'll be locked into college hoops, I'm sure. But, like, as far as, like, appointment viewing, like, that's... You know, it's our first weekend in how long where you don't have to be watching something because there's no football. That's what I was thinking until I realized that the Devils uh, host the, the Avalanche coming back out of the break, so not good. Well, no, that, that that Monday, the first Monday back from the break, it's there's only like two games, and it's the two it's two of the locals. It's um, Rangers play the Avalanche. And then the Islanders are in Toronto. Yes. 
And then the Avalanche cross the river and go to Jersey on Tuesday. Yeah, I like to think that the Avalanche handle back-to-backs better than the doubles do. <laughs> you think so? Maybe. You think so? How do you, where do you feel about that situation right now? Are you confident or no? The Devils? Oh, sure. No. No. No, I'm not. I don't blame you. I'm starting to wonder if it's already too late to make a trade. Well, half the team is hurt or in court, one or the other. Um, Goaltenders can't stop a beach ball. I don't think there's one trade that's going to be able to fix that. Do you? No, and if it's who we think it is, they're probably going to want more than than they're asking for. Right, exactly. Because they already know we want them. 100%. Yeah, just might be one of those years you throw your hands up in the air and say, well, this didn't work out. Then you got some decisions to make. But we'll see. So, yeah, the hockey all-stars this weekend. You know, turn it on for a second or two, maybe see if it's anything. But when was the last weekend where we had no football? The... Because even that first Labor Day weekend, we had college football. Like, you had that full scale. So you have, to go back, you have to go back to August, right? August was the last weekend where we had no football. Are you excited for the new XFL league that's coming out? I watch. No? Of course. Our buddy, uh, Coach Becht, St. Louis Battlehawks. I'll support my guy 100%. I'm a diehard Battlehawks fan. Diehard. You think he knows The Rock? Oh, I know he knows The Rock. I know he knows the Rock. Yeah, that's the what's going to be an adjustment is that league is starting later this year. Doesn't start till like April. Like last season, it was like it got going maybe what like a week or two after the Super Bowl. It was they were playing games in like February, but now they pushed it back to the spring. So you're going up against baseball starting. You know, we'll see how that works because remember you had the merger now. You had the XFL merge with the USFL, and now they have the brand new UFL. Supposedly he starts March 30th. Yeah, that's, that's April, basically, right? Sure. What do you got going on in April? Anything? Baseball. Hockey playoffs. NBA playoffs. Draft. NFL draft. Lock on. April's a good sports month. And now I got UFL football. Speaking of football, so I don't know if you logged on to the worldwide internet today. And you saw, you know what? You know how I came aware of this story? True story. Because Harvey sent me the uh, sent me the story in an email. Woke up this morning, checked my email. I see an email from Harvey, and I'm like, oh, this ain't good. Because usually, if Harvey sends me an email, it's probably bad. And there's an article in the Athletic by Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt about everything that went wrong with the Jets. In 2023. Now, if you were along for the ride, you probably saw it firsthand. And the title of the article was Aaron Rodgers, Robert Sala, and how the Jets season fell apart. Something has to change. So that locks the reader in, right? Something has to change. Now, before you even spend time reading the story, let me just say this. Back-to-back seven and ten seasons. Before that, it was a four-win season. You want to go back even further, 13 years without making the playoffs. If that alone doesn't warrant change, then I don't think an article is going to do anything to convince you about that. So to end all the suspense and all the drama, guess what? If there ain't results this year, and I know that I'm really going out on a limb with this one, right? If there isn't winning in 2024, then there is going to be change. And I don't think that's some earth-shattering news. 
It is a production-based business. You got to win, or they're going to try to find somebody else who will win, or at least get you on the road to winning. Now, just to kind of give you the Cliff's Notes version of the article, all right? Now, some of you may already be onto this stuff. Some of you may not. Me personally, you know, I'm a little bit of a, in a different situation, of course. There wasn't really anything that I read in this story today that, 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 that blew my mind or that I found, quote, unquote, you know, breaking news. Let's put it that way. Essentially, the way they portrayed this article is, number one, Aaron Rodgers is the GM and the Joe Douglas is the assistant GM. Is that Rodgers basically is calling the shots in that building. And there were a lot of moves this past year that would maybe allow you to think that. Personnel, coaches, I get it. There also is this, and this is the slippery slope. Because I've spoken about this many times. During last season, once this past season ended, going into the offseason program. There's this prevailing thought, I guess, shared by many in the building, that having a healthy Aaron Rodgers is going to fix everything. And that this past season would not have turned out to be the disaster that it was if Aaron Rodgers never got hurt. Now, do I think they would have gone 7-10 and 10 with Aaron Rodgers? No. Do I think this was a Super Bowl championship? Would they be playing a game in a week and a half if Aaron Rodgers never got hurt? I, I, I still reserve my doubts on that one. Because what the Aaron Rodgers absence showed you and shed light upon is that there are a lot of other flaws that need some fixing and shoring up on this football team. And I think anybody that watched them would agree with that. There's also some insinuations in here in this story that maybe Nathaniel Hackett is not cut out to have that much responsibility running the, uh, running the offense. Because if you just want to go by facts, okay, the offense play, performed as poor as any in the NFL without Aaron Rodgers this past year. Okay, we all watched the games. Even those two years that they were together when Aaron Rodgers won MVPs in Green Bay. Nathaniel had the title of offensive coordinator, but he did not call the plays. Okay, Matt LaFleur, the head coach, was calling the plays. The Zach Wilson-Aaron Rodgers relationship kind of cooled off after Rodgers got hurt. And maybe there wasn't as much mentorship that maybe we were led to believe was going on behind the scenes. Whatever. And the last one here, which, again, I spoke about during the season. I even spoke to players about in that locker room. And that I guess a lot of folks were turned off whenever people, and in this case, people meaning the head coach, would go up there and speak about Aaron Rodgers and his perpetual quest to come back from the Achilles injury and how remarkable it is and the strides that he's making and they can see light at the end of the tunnel and that there's a shot that he can maybe come back and play in December and all these other things. And all I said in objection to that was I, I wasn't disputing the progress that he was making or the strides my only point was, and I guess that there were a lot of others who believed exactly the same. While this team was struggling like it was, you know, in October and November especially, where they could barely score a touchdown, I don't think it would benefit the greater good 
to be talking about something five, six, seven, potentially eight weeks down the line, or maybe something that wouldn't even ever happen while you had issues that you were facing right here and now, the present time. Don't tell me what could happen at the end of December and who might return at the end of December if you can't figure out what the hell is wrong with this team right now. And I ran that by some guys in the room, too, and you know what? They've agreed. All you hear hear coaches and players talk about is, you know, control the controllables. You worry about the main thing. You worry about today, one at a time, all the cliches. Well, if you want to practice what you're preaching with the cliches, then don't tell me about something that could happen two months from now. That's like sitting there in the month of December while you hope you're making a playoff run and and, and fielding questions about your draft prep, which is still three, four months away. How is that helping you win a game? How is that happening or helping you win a game in December? It's not. Worry about what you got to face right here and now. Now, look, bottom line, there was a lot of things that went wrong. A lot of things that went wrong. Number one, first and foremost, yeah, the quarterback getting hurt. But that's not necessarily something you can pivot from that easily. There are that few guys in the sport who are as irreplaceable as an Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter. If you go bring in this backup or that backup, they all have an expiration date. They all eventually are going to show their flaws. Everybody fell in love with the Joe Flacco story. Oh, Joe Flacco. So, oh, comeback player of the year. Oh, Joe Flacco. Oh, he was sitting on the couch. Oh, he won. Oh, he's going to take the Browns to play. Well, you know what? Finally, he reminded everybody that's why he was on the couch. But he got him to the playoffs, but all he had to do was win four or five games. It's not like he had to play the full season. Anybody you would have put into that role and asked him to go out there and play 16 games for you, there would have been issues. So you know what? Here's the bottom line. If you have a losing program, like the Jets were this year and they have been for the last several seasons, that's how you hear all this stuff. You talk about the leaks. You talk about people chit-chatting. That only comes with losing. You know, I say this all the time. You don't hear this crap coming out of Kansas City. You don't hear this crap coming out of Baltimore or San Francisco or any of these other teams that win on an annual basis. And in mid-January, they're getting ready to play playoff games instead of worrying about who's staying and who's going. Winning solves everything. Now the hard part is, is how do you get to become one of those programs? This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. I guess it's official now. The Nets will indeed be doing a video tribute for Kevin Durant. I I, I wasn't really all that surprised by it, but we'll see what the reaction is from the fans that are there, uh, whether he gets any booze. Please. Right? We'll see. But I wasn't all that surprised. I expected him to get some sort of uh, recognition. But let's get to the phones, get as many calls up here as we can, talk a little Jet football now, and say hi to Ira in Staten Island, who's up next. Hello, Ira. How are you? Hey, pretty good, Dan. How are you? Just trying to enjoy enjoyed most of the playoffs and trying to put the Jet season to rest and kind of just try to take whatever good came out of it. But, you know, they, 
when I woke up like you and heard about the article, I mean, no, nothing's shocking. I mean, you kind of get wind of a lot of the stuff that came out, but I, I think the coach was really exposed in many ways today, and that that's to me uh, as a Jet fan so long, it's, it's a little embarrassing. And I would love somebody from the organization to come out and address this, but they're not going to do that. But you are right about the one thing, you know, they were not going 12 and five with Aaron Rodgers. There were just too many flaws with the team. And I think what happened with the fan base, at least most of the fan base that maybe were a little unrealistic, just because they got Aaron Rodgers, it didn't punch a ticket to Las Vegas to the Super Bowl. And I think that's why so many people are, are, are so down on, and then they should be about certain things. But I think the expectations were set so high, and they didn't realize some of the flaws. And and I, I know I'm never going to get the answer. Yeah, I still don't understand how they went into the season with the two tackles that they had and this quarterback. I just I can't I I I can't I can't put this season to bed until I get some type of answer out of that, which I'm not entitled to. But I, I just need to, to clear my head to find out how you go into the season without two tackles. Miscalculation, I think that's a fair way to put it, Ira. And look, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you at all, and I thank you for the phone call. That, and, and therein lies the biggest problem, right? You know, talk all you want about the quarterback getting hurt, which was a major, major part of this. But to go through 13 different offensive line combinations or whatever it was, over 17 games, starting how many different linemen? You know, they started how many different right guards? I mean, I lost count. Way too many. Hey, I've been sitting there the last couple of days, and I'm locked into the practices down in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. True story. And especially the offensive linemen and the tackles. Because that is where their bread is going to be buttered. It's going to have to be especially with that first-round pick at number 10. They're going to be extremely active in that market, and there's some good prospects, right? And guys play in other positions apart from the offensive line, too. There's a nice crop of players down there uh, in Mobile. I was thinking about doing something about that on Friday for those that uh, want to do a little senior ball talk. Maybe we'll do that Friday on the eve of the big game because there's a lot of talent down there and some guys that are turning some heads, too. But offensive line, number one, number two, number three, as far as things that need shoring up for the Jets if they are going to make a run coming up next year. Artie in Brooklyn is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Art. How are you? What's going on? All right, Dan. This is how Jets fans – all right, maybe Artie, the Jets fan, thinks. I'm watching the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and Purdy goes down. Guess who comes in? Sam Darnold. Guess who lights it up? Sam Darnold. Guess who wins the MVP? Sam Darnold. Guess who gets a mega contract from somebody, and guess who the 49ers signed? Samuel Richard Darnold. <laughs> no. Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and then we repeat at 25. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> and then goes out possible anything Uh, is possible so i gotta i gotta ask you this okay douglas is sitting there if i'm douglas this is what i do i call him my man rogers and i said look dude we got a coach out there that's a good coach i mean what do you think 
Can the Jets sign Rabel? If, if, if everything goes wrong out of this whole thing, okay, we got Douglas and Rabel at the head. What's so bad about that even if we – look, they took a shot. If, 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 look, those 70,000 people that watched Rodgers come out, they're not calling you and saying, hey, we wanted this. This is what the Jets we, – we want them to stay the course. We think this team could, could do something. The only thing is, is that here's the MVP. You know who the MVP of this team is? Tucker. Because Ira called up and he says they win with two tackles. No, they didn't. Because their backup was Tucker at tackle. Turner. And he got hurt. He got hurt. I mean, the whole day. Nobody who caught him. Oh, AVT. Marino, okay. Whoever. Right, Tucker. Whoever quarterbacked this, this Rogers quarterback, they weren't beating Buffalo, the Ravens. They weren't beating them. Come on, man. Get in reality. So the Jets, and here's the last one. Would you tag? Would you tag Beckham? Beckham or Beckton? Beckton. Beckton. No. No. Okay. Now this is why. Look. I'll tell you why. You know why, Art? Because I think it's 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 because it's time to move on. That's why. I think for both parties, it's time to move on. Okay. All right, then talk about Vrabel, please, if you could. All Absolutely. Right, thanks, I'll talk to you. All right, good thanks. to talk to you. Look, I don't know if there's anybody who fancies themselves a Jet supporter who's followed the NFL for the last 10 years, that if you ask them right now, you can have Mike Vrabel as your head coach next year, Robert Sala, who are they taking? I mean, it's, it, it's, not, even a, it's not even a question. It's not even a question, but you know why that they don't want to make any moves. They're running it back with this group, due in large part to the fact that if you bring in a head coach who's accomplished some things in this league, and i.e. Mike Vrabel would be one of those coaches, any good head coach with something to fall back on is going to want to go out there and bring in his own coaching staff, which would then mean that some of the guys that Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with, probably won't be here. And then who knows what that would do to Aaron Rodgers' thought process about playing football again in 2024. Remember, this time last year, he hadn't gone into the darkness retreat yet, right? When was the darkness retreat? Was that a February thing? Late February, early March? Because he went on the McAfee show in March when he first uttered the words that I want to play for the Jets. Not July. The darkness was was like in the off season. Because the darkness happened before the, the trade. I'm looking at it here. It says February eighth, Rogers is on McAfee on his darkness darkness retreat. Right, so it was so it it hadn't happened yet. No. This time last year, right. No. So but remember his words, not mine. He said that when he went into the darkness retreat, he was 90% sure, whatever, that he was going to retire. That he didn't want to play football any longer. So if he was that, if he was swayed that easily, then all of a sudden do a complete 180 and come back and play football, who's to say the same thing can't happen again but in the other direction? Look, the other part of this whole thing, and maybe the fans don't want to acknowledge it because for them it doesn't really apply. They just want to win games. And look, I still believe that if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, 
and you could assure me that he's going to play 17 games, I'll take him as my quarterback over any other potential option that could be out there. And when you say potential option, you're talking about any rookie quarterback that's going to be in this draft class next year because you're not going to be getting somebody else on another team. you got to roll the dice with Rodgers. But Rodgers also is box office. Rodgers also means selling tickets, selling suites, everything on the business side of things with the front office that they also are very cognizant of. And that's why they allow certain players to have a little bit more authority when it comes to such issues as personnel, coaches, this and that, because they realize how good Aaron Rodgers is for business as well. Because in a perfect world, look, put, your, put yourself in those shoes. You're trying to sell tickets, let's say, to a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 13 years, that's coming off a of back-to-back 7-10 and 10 seasons. You think that's an easy sell? Right? You think that's an easy sell? Imagine running a restaurant that's gotten bad reviews for the last 13 years and somehow you found a way to stay open. And you're trying to do anything to attract business. It's hard to do. But if you get some guy who's really popular to show up, you know, let's say once a week at your restaurant and sign autographs and take pictures with people that are dining there, hey, maybe you get some business.